Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. Nathan Ginn, I'm handing all over to you to talk about financial education in schools with Lifesavers Education. All yours. Oh, thank you, Tom. Like, you know, uh, really, really excited about this evening. I know a lot of you here, when we change the space, we're going to be talking about financial literacy. We're going to be talking about financial education. So, uh, you know, it's a really interesting topic for me, really important at the moment. We're going to we'll, we'll throw through some of the, the reasons behind it, some of the um, uh, the the facts and the figures that the, I don't know the the anecdotes from people about why why we think it's important. We're joined by Sarah Barlow, um, as Tom said there in in the introduction. Um, two important uh, organisations to follow if you're on Twitter, which you should be if you're listening to us live as we talk. We're going to be talking about that at just finance foundation fdn for the foundation you can see them in the space just here so if you click on them it's that big jff click on them uh, and, and give them a follow and another one that's really important as well we'll get on to maybe a little bit later on talking about is that at life savers underscore edu give them a follow as well now we're joined by uh, sarah sarah can you hear me are, are you on with us i am yes thanks nathan i'm here Hey, uh, welcome. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Um, Sarah, just a quick one. I just need this is my biggest issue at the moment. Have you got thunder and lightning where you are in the country? I have got a little bit of thunder and lightning, unfortunately. Yes. No, I'm so gutted by that. I've missed it. I've been following the maps and I've missed it completely. No thunder and lightning for me. And I really wanted it as well. You know, cooling the air. Yeah, very, very good timing for me. I went for um, a nice open water sea swim um, about an hour before we got our first lightning detection. So good timing. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, that's no, but it sounds lovely. You know, thunder, lightning over the sea. You know, it sounds sounds idyllic. But this evening, we're talking about financial literacy. So I think probably best off, why don't you um, do a little bit of an introduction of yourself, then we'll talk a little bit about the Just Finance Foundation and maybe some of the things they do. So, um, Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in the education sector for just over 10 years in a variety of roles. Um, I started off as a teaching assistant. I did some family support work. And then most recently, I was a classroom teacher. Um, and I left classroom teaching at Christmas and moved to Just Finance Foundation. So my background has been mainstream teaching, but um, in an area of deprivation, um, social and economic deprivation. So I think um, one of my classes had 45% SEND at one point. Um, we are a neurodiverse family, my family, Um my children are absolutely dear to me, but have had their own own, own struggles in school and, and possibly, uh, you know, throughout their lives heading into adulthood now. Um, my eldest is actually in, in year 10. So um, we've got those teenage mood swings happening in my house. Um, but I, I joined Just Finance Foundation because I think anything that I want to do career wise, I needed it to have a moral purpose, really. And I mean, what what better really than knowing the economic situation of my local community and obviously currently as being in a cost of living crisis than to support um, the young and vulnerable members of our society with financial education. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. 
And, you know, we're going to get onto some of this stuff as well later on because there's some really interesting threads I want to pull through about this kind of morals, kind of like uh, ethos-led kind of educational part of the financial literacy, which I've I've not really thought about myself before, and some of the feelings that that come through with with regards to money, which would be really interesting. But um, we we are going to be talking about the Just Finance Foundation, and you've mentioned them there. Who you, you know who you work for, and I'll, I'll yeah. say again, if you haven't followed them yet, guys, it's that big JFF in the space. You can click on that, give them a follow. But tell us a little bit about kind of what they do, that overarching part, and and, and where it comes from. Yeah, so JFF are a financial education charity. So they provide all financial literacy resources and CPD for free. Um, the programmes are always ever evolving and it currently covers primary age mainly, um, but it consists of Milo's Money, which is aimed at EYFS and Key Stage 1. Then there's the five big questions, which are aimed at key stage one and two. And they also have um, a collective worship resource, which is part secular and part non-secular. So it really is quite a wide ranging um, programme that supports financial literacy and financial education within the primary sector. I mean, there is um, community work that's also done and a, a larger community programme. And there are suggestions for obviously parental links and care, parental parents and carers, but um, predominantly focusing on that primary age range, really. And I'm just going to double check you there. You, you said free, free, like in education, this is something <laughs> you, you pricked my ears up there. This, this is free stuff that's out there. Yeah. And a teacher. I, yeah, and, and as obviously a fellow teacher, I mean, I, I, I say I've finished teaching, I haven't, I still teach on Fridays, so I, I fully understand, I fully understand that questioning, but yeah, all all totally free. I think um, Just Finance Foundation have got a very good um, reputation within the financial education world, and because of that, they've been successful for several years now on um, acquiring money and pension service grants funding so the program is fully funded by the money and pension service which does allow us as an organization as a charity to be able to deliver the whole program with with no cost at all to the schools yeah so it is fantastic really hey, i am all here for that you know I need <laughs> as much help and you know we're talking about finance so it sounds like you know the, the thinking about the money there for schools as well but I wanted to pick up there, you, we, you know, you started talking and we, we started maybe for some of our listeners talking about really um, young children, because I know uh, I put out a tweet earlier from uh, Teachers Talk Radio or maybe for myself, I can't remember which one I put it out from, just asking people about what already exists in the uh, primary curriculum and, and through to secondary as well and, you know, and what people might think. And I think it is surprising the the answer when it comes back that that there, there is no real guidance out there or support for teachers about doing this kind of thing in primary. So uh, w- what do you think about when we should be starting our kind of financial education with young people? Absolutely. Well, that, and I think this is this is key to the Lifesavers Programme and Just Finance Foundation because they've looked at the research. Money and Pension Service did research um, on when spending habits were formed and, and money habits and they found that uh, spending habits are actually formed between the ages of three and seven, which obviously as a parent and a practitioner shocked and surprised me. But that's why the Lifesavers focuses predominantly on primary age children alongside the community support, but to support 
those that that key time in a child's life when it then obviously they're forming their spending habits to be able to give them that education that will support them in later life and maybe reevaluate their spending habits that they might have formed without a strong quality financial education within primary school due to socioeconomic status parental status things things such as that yeah you know, and I also, you know, I'm guilty of this. I should say, you know, I have two young children. We are starting to talk about money at home. Um, I, I want to give a quote for you, but this is this is where I sit. This is from a, a Channel 4 programme, Secret Life of Five-Year-Olds. And it was one of the doctors uh, on there, Dr. Samos, said, I understand that for parents it isn't particularly attractive to train a child about adult things like money and inhibition. Um, there's joy in the fact that children are spontaneous and live life in the moment unfettered by adult problems. And I I feel that sometimes with my, my my two young boys, but I am talking to them at the moment, even at four, about coins versus paper money. You know, and my, my four-year-old does understand that one is worth more than the other now, so he knows when he opens his birthday cards, like, which one's, which one he's looking for. He wants paper money, not coins. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and even my, 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 my slightly older boy, George, you know, he's doing stuff at school where they, they have class stalls, where I, I have to go as a parent and he sells back to me things that he's made. And I'm sure that the school make an absolute killing from me, yeah. you know, buying back <laughs> his own stuff. Um, you know, and so that is lovely and wonderful. But um, for people outside there, and I should say to our listeners, if you want to tweet in, there's a, a space in the bottom there where you can you can share some of the things your schools are doing. If, like my son's school, they are fleecing you for every penny um, in the playground, by all means, tweet that in. But if you think you're doing something really well, you know, a little bit more maybe than those typical pupil-led shop activities in EYFS or, you know, just the standard money maps calculations in English Stage 1, we'd love to hear about them. But, but for you, Sarah, what does good financial kind of education look like at, at this age frame well I think I think that's the key what what you said about what, what you do with your children is is fantastic and it is you know children do need to know the value of of coins and, and notes and how they're going to use those in in later life or, or even as children with pocket money and things like that but I think for me as as an educator and me now working for Just Finance Foundation it's about how we get the children and teachers excited to talk about money, but that knowing that actually just the value of the coins is is not the the end goal, but it's how we think and how we feel about money. Um, and I think for that, really, you need unbiased content that's that's current. Um, and I think what's good about Just Finance Foundation and the, the Lifesavers programme is we are all teachers. It's a, a, te- a team created by either current or ex-teachers. Um, and I think because of that, we've considered teacher workload and um, teacher autonomy and that the resources are very easily adaptable and have many cross-curricular links. Because like you say, if, if the, the, there's not clear guidance on how frequently it should be taught, I mean, any anybody listening who is a teacher um, and in the profession knows that we are shoehorned by directed time for a set number of hours per subject per week and things like that. And the primary curriculum is is totally crammed with things and we are we are appreciative of that. But if you can allow financial education to be interwoven throughout throughout other curriculum subjects um with with clear curriculum links as well um that are hands-on and practical i mean i think that to me is what good financial education looks like now one of the unique things and you, you touched on it a little bit there about 
um, the the Lifesavers sort of program. And I looked at, you know, these five big questions that you've got mm. there about um, uh, about money. And, and I'll, I'll read through them all, but I'll, I'll jump to the one that really kind of hooked me in and made me think, hang on, this is something that I haven't thought about um with the young people I work with, uh, you know, and it, it was really was a new approach for me. Um, you've got one of the questions, which is where does money come from? And I was like, yeah, okay, that, that, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Although I will say I've had conversations even this week with children, uh, you know, and I said gold, silver, and, and sorry, gold, silver, bronze, and, you know, the more value of the metal, the, the more important, and realised that completely gone. Yeah. The and I, I had to revert back to kind of winning medals and things. Um, how does money makers feel? is the second one um what can we use money for how does money help other people and um how can we look after our money and the one that jumped out at me there and and this is from my own experience with with my son as he he gets a lot of buyer's remorse when i do take him to the shop was that how does money makers feel as a question and i thought that was such an interesting take on financial education yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think I think for us as a, as a charity who are delivering financial literacy and, and trying to upskill teachers in this area, because I, I mean, we don't just provide, we don't just come in and, and teach the financial literacy for an hour. It is really about upskilling the teachers so that they feel confident to deliver it. But I think that's it. I think it's asking those open questions because like you've just said as, as an adult we have strong feelings relating to money Chil children have the same um and obviously sometimes i think in especially in the primary primary age children that i, I talk to and and have had a, a lot of dealing with creating resources for i think I think for them at that age maybe their spending habits and how how maybe like you say your son's buyer's remorse makes him feel is on a a lot smaller scale than when you get into adulthood but I think if you have experienced that and then being able to discuss that as a child and say talk about the feelings and emotions surrounding money then it becomes less taboo as an adult I, and I mean my personal and professional opinion is that if those skills and feelings are um, listened to and discussed in younger life then as as a child gets older they, they will be able to deal with those those emotional links much better and then that you know you've done a fantastic job of transitioning me to one of, one of my next questions I wanted <laughs> to ask you about which was kind of the end goal of, of of financial literacy and financial education and I wanted just to talk a little bit about the the, the money and pension service and yep. uh, and they talk about um financial well-being and, and what that looks like for people and you know some uh, incredible facts on there about you know how um, there's 11 million people who have less than a, a hundred pound uh, savings to fall back on and you know uh, nine million people often borrow money to buy food and bills um so with the uh, money and pension service can you tell a little, a little bit about them and their funded projects but, but also why this is so important for the end goal of, of that kind of adult that we're looking for yeah, absolutely. So the Money and Pension Service are obviously a part of the Department for Work and Pensions. Um, and to apply to be um, a part of the grants programme, there is a stringent application process that uh, JFF have had to go through. They've had earlier successes, as I previously mentioned, and Money and Pension Service have currently funded two Just Finance um projects, the one that I'm currently working on and, and the main Lifesavers programme as well. But Money and Pension Service 
their their ultimate goal um, is to make a wider difference to communities and future generations. And I think ultimately, as educators, that is always our goal. It's always to try and see in in any medium that we can and any way that we can make sure that we are educating the children and giving them those life skills to have the best possible future that they can have with no glass ceilings, giving them this this tools and skill set early on in life that they can carry through into later childhood and then in, into adulthood. And I think that's why the Money and Pension Service are so keen to support and fund projects like this, because we have a clear goal um, that we want to go in at the most influential age in a child's life, upskill teachers, you know, provide resources freely for the children and for the, the school communities as a whole and those children to carry on those skills as and and have that toolbox of financial literacy as they as they move into adult life. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes we forget it's easy, you know, when we're enjoying particularly a primary classroom, that this is part of a journey to yeah. to, um, to to adulthood or to, to safer adulthood. You know, and I reflect, I've, I've worked with young people, even, even in, you know, talking into year 10, where they're telling me that they're going into a shop and they're just handing over an, an undefined amount of money because they don't know how to work out how much change they should be getting or whether they've got enough money. And that is so heartbreaking to hear um, from, from the older young people when I think actually, you know, the stuff we could be doing younger to help them out. I wanted to draw just to a comment um, that's from an all-party parliamentary group in, in 2021. Um, it was 150 uh, MPs together. And the chair, Julian Knight MP, said, the evidence submitted to this inquiry from experts across the sector makes it clear that there is an urgent need for widespread and effective primary financial education to combat the challenges the younger generation are facing. And, you know, this comes in a background of the London Institute of Banking and Finance saying, you know, only four in 10 uh, young people uh, reported having access to some kind of financial education. And we've got 83% of our 18 to 17 year olds feeling anxious about money since the cost of living crisis. It does feel like now is, you know, a moment for this, for us to really reflect on it. And, and I wanted to bring back to that comment from Julian Knight MP talking about financial literacy, about effective uh, financial education and, and, and how we weave that through the curriculum and, and so what sort of ways would you be suggesting then that we, you know, some, some maybe concrete examples or examples of things we can be doing to weave this through the, the younger ages for our, our young people? Yeah, absolutely. So as I, as I previously mentioned, obviously, the Lifesavers programme is is a full primary age curriculum from EYFS up to Upper Key Stage 2. So I think for us, we've we've looked at it as a charity and said, what is financial education? What is good financial literacy? And for us, it's the quality resources and the, the time that's put into those by qualified professionals. Nobody is teaching anybody how to suck eggs. However, as all ex-teachers, we, we know the age ranges of the children that we are creating resources for. So for me, it's how it can be interwoven throughout a variety of 
the curriculum. So cross-curricular work obviously is quite popular at the moment now some we know that some of the mainstream settings currently using the lifesavers program do as as you previously mentioned almost like um, an enterprise week a selling week where the children are given a set amount of money and then they 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 aim to make a profit they aim to sell their resources that obviously teaches budgeting skills and money management and things like that and that's absolutely fine people can use resources like that However, what we've looked at is how we can weave through the PSHE curriculum, through citizenship skills. Um, Lifesavers have currently got a new pilot drama resource, Moneybox Productions, that's gone out. And I mean, as a as an educator, I, I love that. I love the fact that it's inclusive. It, it contains it's different parts for different people, different children with different needs. But really, it holds a whole host of curriculum areas within that resource. There's a there's English areas where there's written work to be completed. There's lots of oracy skills that can be practiced. And obviously, drama it is a drama resource. And then it has clear curriculum links to maths with the handling of money and the recognition that we were discussing before of coins and note value. Um, so f- for me, for me, it's that it's it's how you find quality, unbiased resources and find a space for them within your curriculum and if there isn't a, there isn't a space already there obviously we know as practitioners that turn taking and talking aloud and talking as part of a performance is a curriculum objective that key stage two children should all meet so it's about how you can use the resources that you can find out there that you can quality check that you know that they're from a, an organization that's providing high quality resources that are unbiased and then finding a space for that in the curriculum, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, I should say I really like that aspect as well. That you know, when you're talking about that, because you know, I made some notes about my experience of of um, financial education. You know, working in, in in different primary schools as well, and you know, that money maths is incredibly important. You know, using coins, calculating change, and all of those things. But I worry sometimes, and it's it's really nice to hear you talking about those different engaging activities for maybe people who at the moment, you know, the, the, the maths they're still working on, but we still need to be talking about financial literacy with them. And yeah, so they, they can do that through different ways then. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, PSHE obviously is, is the, the all the all core subjects that we've tried to interweave in, in between and try to find curriculum links that are clear, concise, that are easy for a teacher to access. And I mean, I, I know myself as a practitioner that for me, if I could engage children in a hands-on and practical way more often than not that was going to result in much more engagement from my whole class rather than certain members of of the class um and it's it's about it's about finding it's about using a resource that you can um trust and that you know that you can adapt easily for for your learners within your classroom but that is covering not only financial literacy and that those financial education aspects but that you are also up, upskilling the children in other areas as well be, be that in maths like you say there are resources within the lifesavers program that talk about coins and change and about how much people earn and and then you know what they can afford to buy with it and um, i know the new drama resource one of the script starters is about a child in the script who wants to buy some new football boots 
And it's about how he can earn that money. Now, obviously, can he go to his local supermarket and get a fully paid job? No. But can he do odd jobs around and work out how much money he needs to save up in order to be able to buy the football boots that he wants to buy? And thinking about that that need over want aspect that I mean a, a lot of adults probably myself when there's a, a good sale on somewhere included could put myself in that category of do I actually need it or do I want it and if I actually do want it how how much do I want it am I going to work that little bit harder to get it and I think obviously that the the life skills involved in financial education naturally pull themselves towards PSHE and meeting those links of you know, money and being financially responsible and saving. But coins, as you've already mentioned, are clearly mentioned within the maths curriculum. So for us, I think as practitioners, the natural next step was then to have a look at English and drama based resources that would be 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 more inclusive in some in some aspects and be able to be used in small group work for those children who maybe maybe do require small group work any eal pupils within within the classroom or those who you know who who just need that bit of intervention um that they they can access it as well I wanted to ask you about that as well, because, you know, you, we, we talk about, uh, you know, particularly in, in sort of key stage one, maybe we might be doing money, maths, maths, money, you know, and, and those yes. kind of aspects of it. But when we're talking about what a, a, you know, a quality financial education for financial literacy looks like, um, do you see it then more? I know, I know you, you provide some assembly materials and displays, examples for displays that can be used and these different things. Is it something that's more uh, weaved in? through everything or is it is it a one-off no I, I would say it's weaved throughout the curriculum and I mean the collective worship booklet book is is as it is actually amazing I still I will still take it with me in case someone throws a class assembly on, on me on a Friday um, and it really is a pickup you can quite clearly see the links to financial literacy and and how that would play out as a as a short collective worship so i think on a whole school aspect that would be brilliant and i mean some settings may choose to predominantly use the collective worship booklet if if a school said you know no there's there isn't much time for different resources we are just going to have one money week um per per academic year obviously but what we will commit to is twice a term we will do the twelve twice a half term we will do the collect one of the collective worships i mean that's still interweaving it into the curriculum isn't it all children are then still accessing that financial literacy on a smaller scale but we know from talking to teachers who have implemented the full lifesavers program within their settings i think they they get the staff cp they have the staff cpd they get all the resources and the feedback is so positive and they've said it's made it so much easier to see the links of how they can then just weave it into the curriculum and they find themselves doing it more and more and i mean especially with milo's money that's geared towards eyfs and key stage one I mean, he's. A, I don't know whether you've had a look at managed to have a look at him, Nathan. I really, but he's. Yeah, the... <laughs> I really want to ask him. I, I am a sucker for you know. I, from my son's school, I get a sheep home, a cuddly sheep home, David. Yeah. David. Um, and uh, yeah, I wanted to ask about Milo. Um, so you know, for people listening, it's not it's not a great visual um, <laughs> <laughs> visual medium we're in. But describe Milo from Milo's money to us. 
Yeah, so Milo actually has his own book. Milo is a lovely green dinosaur who wears a red baseball cap and he is he is the the mascot of Lifesavers at the moment. He is loved by anyone who deals with the team and any schools that that sign up are actually lucky enough to receive Milo's. Milo is a soft toy. Um he he lives on my on my bookcase so anyone who does a teams meeting with me gets to see Milo over my shoulder every day. But he he has his own book and Milo's book is a book with pull-out materials and it's basically a story about Milo the dinosaur and um he gets he gets some money and he wants to know what to do with it. And he t- talks to his family members and friends and um, he wants to know is spending his coins the, the only way. You know, he-, he doesn't know what to do. And the book explores what Milo could do with the money. Obviously, he could he could spend it. He could he could save it or he could spend some and he could save some uh, or he could even try and get some more um, and manage to um and managed to make make his make his life in on his purse strings a, li- a little bit heavier with some, with some more coins. So it is it's it's a delightful book. And Milo come, also has a his own interactive game. He's very special, Milo. Um, that's available on the uh, on Milo's Money website. Um, so yeah, he's he's lovely. But I mean, a- again, um, I think that that is what's so good about the program because we we know that there are some some settings mainstream special settings ap settings that are using milo all all the way through throughout the key stages because obviously he is he's very he's very cute there are a lot of children who who love love a green dinosaur and a lot of adults as well um so i think it's i think it's i think it's that i think it's about how how a teacher and giving the teachers and the schools that autonomy to use the resources it's not prescriptive no one comes out and says this is what you have to use with this this key stage or you can only use this with it's not it's not like that at all i think a, a quality financial education program will always upskill the teachers so that they feel confident in delivering the financial education using the resources that are available to them especially if they're as cute as milo <laughs> Yeah, no, you, you know, this is where I will lose some of our secondary colleagues just for a second. When I, you <laughs> yeah. know, I talk about, I, you know, I am a massive fan in primary, particularly younger, but even older as well, you know, for a slightly, you know, uh, either clumsy or who needs a bit of help, cuddly toy who you have to guide through things and you can, you know, put your uh, feelings aside for a second. You become the expert. You're helping someone else. This is this is primary education for me. And I love that that, that aspect has come in because, it, you know, there, there are comments that, that come through sometimes. And, you know, someone's uh, mentioned already about, you know, having to teach things like mortgage rates when they get older and how dry and boring that can be sometimes. And yeah. How do we keep that, uh, you know, the... the uh, interest, the the excitement, the, the 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 engagement when we're doing something that initially, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want this to be, you know, I know Just Finance Foundation are, are, are listening in, but the word finance has connotations that it's not going to be exciting or interesting. How do we do that as we go through? Well, I think I think for me, I think what you've just said, Nathan, is is key, and I think the reason that a lot of us as educators think that is potentially because of how we were educated about financial literacy um and i think that if we can make it as fun and engaging as possible 
that it, it can it can only benefit the children now and obviously the future generations and I think the current education profession are, are phenomenal at that I mean I think the progress that we've made in making the curriculum engaging and hands-on and and as as appealing as possible because we all we all know not just with financial education but there are certain areas of the curriculum that, that are dry or there are certain areas of the curriculum that we know that certain children within our classroom may absolutely love flags of the world but may absolutely not like at all angles or or estimating number um and things like that different areas of different different curriculum subjects and I think I think for us as a charity, I, I'm I'm confident that we've made the financial education um, resources very engaging. But I think if you're using Milo, if a setting was using Milo for me, YFS, um, it, it's it's never going to have the connotations of being dry and boring financial literacy because they will have grown up. Those children in that setting will have grown up with the cute green dinosaur sitting on the teacher's shelf, you know, possibly holding a pencil with a little post-it note saying Milo's pencil costs 30 pence. He paid with a pound. How much change did he get? And it could be interwoven into the curriculum as simply like that on a, a daily basis during registration and my 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 personal opinion is that if you have engaged the children from such a young age and made that learning fun, especially about a topic that, as you say, a lot of adults potentially don't feel is engaging or fun, um, then I think that that can that can work wonders because I think it just becomes natural then for the children to to be engaged. And if you've got a drama resource like we're currently piloting, it's it's not textbook learning. It's not sitting down and rote learning. It's about being hands on and practical for 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 all for all the children really. Yeah, we you know we've already heard about how how important this is for for, for everyone um, yeah. as we you know as, as as they go on to be you know older older teenagers maybe or they go on to be adults and, and later on in life how how important that that financial education and financial literacy is and I want to ask you about that you know I, I'm very passionate myself I'm, I'm working with um, young people who maybe are um, struggling sometimes their, their, their education or everyone facing their, their slightly different challenges in life and I wanted to ask you about how we can make this or how we are going to go about making this inclusive so, so that everyone gets that opportunity about something that is a really important life skill. Yeah, absolutely. And cu currently, um, the Money and Pension Service, I'm actually leading on a, a separate research project to the Lifesavers main programme. So I'm currently re leading on a, a research project into alternative provisions, pupil referral units and SEMH settings as well. And that's because uh, the Money and Pension Service have found that children in, in those settings, in vulnerable circumstances, especially from poor socioeconomic backgrounds, um, are, are struggling with financial education and financial literacy and maybe don't get the same opportunities as their mainstream counterparts. So, I mean, for anyone who is listening, who's who's in an AP and PRU and would be interested in being part of the research project, please, please, please do think about signing up or finding out some more information. But the current Lifesavers programme, is so easily tailored and adapted to mainstream classrooms for those children with additional needs and diversities. Um, it suits the needs of the learner 
Um, and I, I know I've mentioned it several times, but the, the pilot program, the drama resource, I've said is phenomenal. I mean, I my, my my youngest is selective mute, so he has been a rock and a tree so far in in several plays over his primary school lifestyle. Um, and I think I I mentioned this to the, the to the main lifesavers team when we were content creating, and we've come up with ideas for certain children to be the director of the play those children who don't want to be front facing and all singing and all dancing some some people would be helping with the props some people would be able to use the clapperboard and change scenes for the rest of the children so I think from an inclusivity point of view, especially with the drama resource, those children are still as involved as all their peers, but in a role with the with the drama for performance that would suit their needs and, and their requirements. And I think that's what's so fantastic about education professionals as a whole. You know, we do make those small step adaptations that are so, so easy to do sometimes. And I think with the Lifesavers programme, we've tried to make those as as easy to transition into as possible. We've tried to suggest how that can be done within the resources and within the teacher guidance and how you can make the resources more inclusive, how they can be used within interventions rather than within the whole classroom. Um, the resources that we provide, I know all, all digital copies are, are editable. So I've had children previously, obviously, who are sight impaired, who would require the the font increasing the font size increasing and the visuals increasing and I think there are obviously many providers of many different resources for for education but sometimes not as easily accessible to to edit those um resources and customize them for the needs of your the, the children within your cohorts and I think that's what's been important for us as educators as part of the team is to really think about how we can be more inclusive um and and meet the needs of of not just the children who need that but also meet the needs of the teacher and reduce their workload and make it as simple as possible for them to adapt the resources thank you because that is exactly what i that's exactly what i need <laughs> someone to, to give me the things but the ability then to to tweak it to meet the needs of the young people in yeah. front of me as well you know and, and that, that does sound like an incredible helpful thing um to have and i wanted to ask you while you know whilst we're talking about this inclusivity and also the the, the social economic background of, of some of these young people i'm going to read out just a quote from one of the teachers who uses lifesavers and it says um our area is not in the most privileged area and it is our duty to ensure that children leave us with as much knowledge and experience as possible to ensure they have the skills that will help them prosper emotionally and financially as young people and adults. And that was from a year four teacher. Now, I wanted to ask when we're talking about inclusion and though, uh, all of those aspects of it and, and finance and money can can sometimes for me uh, feel like it's pitched in a different place or maybe it's a, a you know my own personal journey and there's some shame there around talking about money and uh, how do we pitch this right then for the for the young people particularly you know if I'm, I'm, I'm talking about families maybe who are struggling uh, and a lot of us you know we heard earlier 83 percent of 17 to 18 year olds are already feeling anxious about money since the cost of living crisis finance can sometimes be uh, you know, I, I always thought about it as men in suits when I was younger. How do we bring that down to, you know, me in my day to day life when I, you know, I'm popping to the shop or, I, you know, I'm helping mum and dad at the supermarket? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that that's why the Money and Pension Service, the, the research that they did that said that those those habits and those opinions about money are, are so influential between the ages of three and seven. And I think that's what we shouldn't lose sight of. I think that's what we really need to, to push for more financial literacy at at a younger age for exactly the reasons you you know you've just said and I think especially with the current cost of living crisis it's hard I I as I mentioned live in an area of deprivation the schools that I previously worked at our council provides breakfast for the children because we know that we're socioeconomically deprived and I think there's no there's I think it's creating that culture of openness and the fact that we can discuss things with children I mean we all know as practitioners how resilient children can be and actually how open children are to to hearing different opinions and learning about different cultures different people different ways of life and I don't think financial literacy should be any different I think it's I think it's always best to be open and honest with children and I mean the same way that we would never put a glass glass ceiling on a child and what they were going to achieve in a, in a maths test you know we would always support the child to achieve to the best of their abilities I think the same goes for financial education really I think it's about giving the children the skill set as early as possible in life and making it fun and engaging using quality high quality resources that are unbiased and saying to children it's it's good to talk about money actually and it's okay to talk about money and that we talk about how we how our feelings relate to money and how money can make us us feel and we we all know that the harsh reality is as as practitioners that a lot of a lot of parents and caregivers of the children within our classrooms are are, strugg- are struggling you know they're struggling financially the cost of living crisis has hit everybody really in one way or another i don't i don't care what what economic background you've got i think everybody has has felt a little bit of it over the last few years post pandemic and i mean in, for me i i would look at it in the same way that as educators we you know we talk to the children about the pandemic i'm sure there's nobody on on this call now who didn't you know, have a meeting with other members and staff and say, well, what what do we say to the children when they come back to the school after the pandemic? Or what do we say to the key worker children who are in whilst the other children are away? And I think financial education is is the same. We are all aware and we are all empathetic to the fact that there will be certain families within our school communities who are struggling significantly more than others. I mean, I I know of teachers currently who are who are using food banks. So I think it would be wrong to say that we could shoehorn certain groups of society into the financial crisis. That's not the case. So I think it's about having that empathy and being able to sensitively discuss finances. And I think that's what I like about the Lifesavers program is the fact that it's more talking about discussion based, using those oracy skills and, you know, really having an open discussion, which fits so well with so many PSHE subjects and topics in the fact that you can have an open discussion with a child and there will be many, many different opinions throughout the classroom. But it's opening those channels for communication and not making finances and um thinking about the feelings related to money not making them taboo making it from a very early age that we talk about money money is an okay thing for us to talk about we can discuss it this is your safe space if you've got something you'd like to discuss and then alongside that 
making it as fun and practical and hands-on and engaging as possible using the resources so that the children don't have those negative connotations with with finances i know obviously they may have some in their home lives or within the communities and see people financially struggling but i think the same as with with most sensitive subjects that are discussed in school i think it's about making it as practically engaging and fun for them to learn and and to have to have that skill set yeah no, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think you know, I, I have come to the realization that I, you know, maybe through my childhood, and and uh, Tom on our teachers talk radio, and feel free to quote me on this. I blame entirely Dick Van Dyke in the film Mary Poppins <laughs> for that whole thing around the dancing bankers that set me up as this, you know, terrible thing that I, you know, I didn't want to talk about money, maybe, or I, I did my relationship with saving or any of those things was something that yeah as you say maybe taboo or maybe something I wanted to push away and and I wanted to to have that kind of living in the moment thing and as I grow into adulthood I realize that that's maybe not the the right thing or what I want for my young children now I want them to understand and I want them to know that you know as I say even my my five-year-old I'm, I'm, I'm talking to at the moment about you know trying to get him to save a little bit and Absolutely. so we're talking about how you know okay so you, you've got this little bit of money but you know, we're still not counting properly or, you know, in, in any big amounts, but I'm kind of going like, okay, so you've got two of these paper money. And if, if we keep them together, we can maybe go to the shop and buy something bigger because then you'll have more of them and, and that can exchange for something bigger. And, and we're going through that with my, my, my five-year-old and my four-year-old at the moment, because it's, it's something that, you know, I think was neglected for me, maybe in my generation when, you know, when Absolutely. I to school. Yeah, and I think I think I would agree with you there. I think I I came from a you know I came from a, a truly middle class family, but I think because of that, my perceptions on finances were maybe skewed in totally the wrong way due to the area that I grew up in. My my family finances didn't match that, and then I think I had very little realization as I came into my mid to late teens of actually well, how do you get yourself into that financial position? Because you can't stay with your parents forever, ever living that life. So I think for me, obviously, I, I've, I've done the same as you. My, my children are um, 15 and 11, and I've I've tried to broach subjects with them. And and especially my eldest, it's been really important for me to to say to him because of the because of the school that he's in and because of some of his his peer groups, you know, their, his, their parents finances for him to be sensitive around things. And I mean, we have we have found that balance now, but he will frequently discuss future salaries with me and I you know, have to rein him in a little bit and say, you're not just going to finish your apprenticeship and become a 40% taxpayer. But I think it is, I think it's about opening up those lines of communication. And that's why, you know, we, we do try and support parental and carer engagement because it is like you say it's either generational or it's societal um, and it's it's just how some families seem to work some families seem to be very very open about almost everything and some seem to be quite closed off and private as, as you've mentioned about finances but not necessarily in, in other areas of family life so I think it is about opening up those lines of communication for everybody and you know including teachers you know there are some teachers out there who who I know you know don't they they tell me that they're not financially confident so they want to be able to understand financial literacy better in order to be able to deliver that to children and I think that's so important I think it's getting to that point where people say actually I'm 
I'm not very good at that. So, so can you give me some information and then I can then cascade that down? And it's about having that openness within your communities and especially your school communities that it's, it's okay. It's okay to talk about money. It's okay to say you've not got enough. It's okay to say that you don't want to spend it today. You'd rather save it. And I mean, I think that is a skill that you acquire. But I think for, for me, knowing the research and that has been done, I think for me, it's about helping those future generations as, as early as possible, seeing as the, the research says that it's so important. Yeah. So every, every credit to you for doing that with your children. Well, and I, I wanted to ask where you talk about the teachers there and, you know, the, the, the support that's available for, for people maybe like me. You know, I, I, I'm a teacher and I'm, I'm not great at it myself. I'm, uh, you know, I, some of this is new to me um, and the support that's available. Now, it, it, feel free to tell me that I'm asking too much of you uh, now. You've already told me I'm getting free resources and they're editable, which I love. But is, yeah. there, is there support for sort of in training for teachers as well in doing this through um the Lifesavers and the Just Finance Foundation? Yeah, absolutely. So the main Lifesavers programme, um, the, the, the whole package is the, the resources, the, the learning materials, obviously some Milo soft toys, Milo um, Milo's fictional book and the collective worship booklet as well. But it's always, there's always staff CPD. So the way the programme works is that a school, a setting would show interest and register um, and a member of a colleague of mine, a member of the team would then make contact with anybody who was interested and say, you know, thank you very much for your expression of interest in, in the programme. This is what we offer. Um, if this is something that you would like, we can set up a short meeting and then there is a short meeting that is held between um, the Lifesavers team coordinator and and the school and then CPD date is booked and it's about 45 minutes long, the CPD session. It's usually, unless there's a coordinator in the immediate vicinity of um, where where the school is located, it's usually delivered by Teams or Zoom. Um, and yeah, the whole the whole school team can then come on the, the Teams call. Um, the financial education coordinator will deliver the CPD, explain how the resources can be used. And then all the resources would be sent out to the school, as we say, free of charge following that. And um, there's always support. We're always trying to look and change and adapt to the resources of the Main Lifesavers programme. So that means that teachers are always kept up to date. So a school that maybe signed up and had CPD in, say, 2022 still has full access to all the digital resources that are available to them. But they can always check back and see see new things that are going live. I know a lot of our schools that were Lifesavers champions from a couple of academic years ago have signed up to be part of the Moneybox Productions, the drama resource pilot, because that's currently in its pilot stage. So they've they've signed up to do that. They're always keeping an eye on on the new resources. And I think that is what's so good about the charity is the fact that they don't none of us want to sit sit back on our levels and, and think that that's it, job done. We're always trying to update the teachers so that we we can give them the skills to be able to deliver the financial literacy. And we're looking at what the research tells us. So and and especially what the teachers tell us, because you know, obviously we do as a as an organization, we do survey the teachers 
and say what works, what doesn't work, please let us know. And they come back and let us know. And then obviously we look at important research that's emerging, which is how I found myself in in the role um, leading on the AP research project, is that there was research done that said that children in AP and pre-settings maybe weren't getting the same access to financial education and literacy as their mainstream counterparts. So, you know, there was funding available to be applied for to to take part in, in a different type of financial literacy for different settings other than mainstream. But yeah, CPD is, it, we're a big fan of delivering CPD at Lifesavers and definitely free. I assure you, Nathan, there's no charge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you make me sound like, you know, although we are talking about financial literacy, so maybe it is the right the right question for me to be asking about. Absolutely. You know, where, 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 where I wanted to draw sort of everyone back in, back to these five big questions, because I find them so interesting yep. know, as a way of thinking about financial literacy. And, you know, and if we just unpick those, you know, slowly for a second, I, you know, I, I think some of it will, will surprise people maybe when they think about it a little deeper. And, I'd, you know, I'd love to hear some of those opinions from people as they come in we've been getting tweets coming through i am trying to keep up with with all of your questions oh brilliant so we've got these five key questions here and one of the first ones uh that well, the first one is where does our money come from and it wasn't until i read this that i, that I kind of thought to myself this kind of curse of the expert that i have as someone who you know lives in a, a money world for want of a better word is that i understand that I earn money yeah or that people maybe give it to me as a gift yeah but but that must be an you know an incredible I don't know a moment of realization for when we're talking with EYFS children with key stage one children who maybe haven't even considered this before yeah absolutely and I think it's about making the link between the needing to earn money and then spending money and that children understand that you need to have acquired that money in some way in order to pay for things and that actually it, it's it's about balancing that it within a family and especially thinking about in a family context and it's about allowing children to see that actually although they might want something actually that that money that they get as maybe pocket money or towards a gift has originated somewhere usually from a parent or caregiver earning the money um so it's it's about them making those those links between where the money comes from and how we can then ultimately spend it. And I think without it is quite um, an abstract concept, especially for EYFS and Key Stage One children. Um, and I think that's why why Milo's fictional storybook can really help because it we we all know I'm and I'm, I'm an avid reader. Um, and I think books really do bring bring things to life for children especially abstract concepts like a parent having to earn some money in order for them to be able to go to the shop and buy some sweets with the said caregiver after school and I think I think for me the that big question where does our money come from is is such a good resource because it really allows children to unpick and and really have a concrete understanding of okay so the money just doesn't come out of that machine on the wall because i've i've had several children in my classroom tell me that their that all their parents money is is on the on the plastic rectangle 
And I said, well, uh, so and obviously in, in, in unpicking that as a professional, I found out they actually meant it was on a debit card because they told me that sometimes it'll come out of the machine in the wall, but usually it's just all kept on the plastic rectangle. Um, and it, it is, it's very abstract for children, but I think by working through the where does our money come from resources, children really can get a greater understanding for from you know where where the money is coming from and making those links between you know parents and caregivers earning or receiving benefits money and being able to then pay for things and how that money has to be distributed that you can't see a, a figure on a bank account and just spend it on whatever you would like to spend it on yeah yeah no I, you know and I, I i've been unpicking strangely enough that that similar misconception with some year 10s this week i was talking about um, how how the plastic cards aren't in themselves <laughs> money. That's, yeah. not, that, that's that's not actually money. That's a, a like a vehicle, a mechanism for moving yep. money around, or for it's the key to access the money. But it, in itself, that that bit of plastic is is not money or, or the money itself. So yeah, you're right. It's it's an incredibly sort of abstract thing. But for us as adults, it seems to be what you know. Once we get it, once we're exposed to it quite a bit, it, it seems to make sense. Absolutely. Now, one of the other key questions there, which I imagine is the easiest one, but you can shoot me down if I'm wrong here, <laughs> which is what we can use our money for. Now, to me, that seems like very, very, if I was to, you know, to ask my, even my, my free, my, my four-year-old, say, oh, what can we use money for? I think he's going to have that one nailed, but do we need to go deeper than that? than ice cream yeah. which would be yeah. <laughs> well no ice cream is always always the answer <laughs> always but no I think it's um the value that we place on the important things in our lives so how that can then have an impact on the the choices that we we make as as an individual so it's looking at the differences between the individual needs and wants and how they can vary from person to person dependent on circumstance I mean most people will always still say yes to the ice cream but I mean that that resource really looks at how pupils can look at how to use their money and how to make simple choices about spending and saving really so you know I think it's all relative and if on a very hot day would would we still recommend buying the ice cream potentially yes because you know that's a good choice it's a treat we you know children uh, adults adults earn money to be able to afford themselves some luxuries and some treats um re regardless of of their their financial situation i think the goal is always to have a little bit of something that feels like a reward for your hard work and for some people especially in the current climate that can ultimately mean heating their home and being able to pay the bills but that is that is the the need the want and the need of, of that individual and I think for much younger children faced with three pounds say of, of pocket money or some savings that they've got if on a on a beautiful summer's day like we've had recently if they chose the ice cream then yes that is it's about the important things and, and and how we make those choices whether it's whether it's relative or not and it's about th that question what we can use our money for really does dig deeper into individual needs and and looking in more depth about how those needs can vary so greatly from from person to person 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, you know, I, I want my, 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 my children, I want the young people that I teach, I want them to be good savior, savers and, 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 you know, financially astute and all those things, but I don't want the joy sucked out of life. No. Not like those, <laughs> like those, those horrible men that I mentioned in Mary Poppins, the horrible <laughs> bankers in, in that. No, we, we want, you know, but a balanced, a, a healthy, a healthy. Abs- absolutely. And that's what it's about. I think it's about finding that healthy balance and, and, you know, making making the learning fun making the education aspects fun but then also you know ultimately never losing sight of the fact that they are they are children that you're educating and that actually we don't we don't ever want them to to have that image that you describe of the the you know the big nasty bankers it, it and that's why i think unbiased um teaching and learning materials for financial literacy are are so important because it's about giving the children the facts the unbiased facts and giving them those skills to be able to say this is this is this is this is the this is what you need to know however there is still there is there are still choices to be made there is still that human that human choice and desire and want and need and that and that we we need that we need that we need the children to know that it's it's fun but it's engaging but that it holds a real value and like you say it can it can be a a dry dry area of learning and a subject to discuss but I think if you if you make it engaging um and don't don't put that pressure on to it should never be I mean none of the resources do mention saving all the time but it should never be that a child is given the choice of spend or save because when we're not given that's not life real life as an adult you know I would probably choose to save but unfortunately I can't I've got a mortgage to pay you know I've got childcare bills to pay and gas and electricity rates so I think it's about allowing the children that space to be able to say okay it's not just spend or save you can do a little bit of both if you want you can save some in a safe space and where's a safe space to save where where should you be saving your money or where is best to save your money and and spend spend some of your money but if you're going to spend it think about how long is it going to take you to get that little pot of money back or do you really really want what you're spending it on or is it spending on a whim is it an impulse purchase you mentioned before your son having buyer's remorse you know it's about finding finding that balance and giving the children the um the pl- the platform to voice that you know what what can we use our money for and for a teacher to be able to support that to say okay yeah that's that's fine that's that's how you would like to spend your money how about this the same as we were doing and any other subject you know there shouldn't there shouldn't necessarily be wrong answers there should just be some supportive teacher guidance al- alongside the questions that may arise yeah, and you know, you, you you kind of mentioned, you know, some of that 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 dichotomy maybe of spend and save. This is what worries me about the 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 primary, particularly sort of key stage one curriculum for if we just rely on what's in the maths element without something like this to bolster up the kind of dialogue, the conversations around it. And and this is where I'll be, you know, attacked by the maybe the whole of the primary <laughs> maths teacher world. But I really dislike the. The, the world that maths pretends to live in where you know you, you're having conversations with children about what's better you know the the 50 apples or the 20 oranges 
and and it's not taking into account you know it's purely done on numbers and it's not taking into account do you like apples do you like orange juice? yeah you know which one is better and i've had these conversations with children before about those pure maths where it's about the maths really it's not really about the money or the the financial decision making and and i you know I, I had a couple of weeks ago a young person say to me but what if i don't like that color t-shirt yeah, and I was like, yeah, no, you're right. You know, from a financial <laughs> point of view, from a from an actual life skill point of view, I'm I'm really like, okay, yeah, no, that that, that is a really valid thing. But the maths mark scheme says, yeah, you have to make a choice, and it does worry me if we're not having these decisions around things, and that kind of leads us on to one of these uh, the one of the other big questions, which is about how money makes us feel. And I found that such a powerful thing, you know, and it, it, this on the website there has this sentence, which which really sent me on an emotional roller coaster <laughs> of like children look at how money makes us feel when they receive it, when they spend it, when they give it and save it. And if we accidentally lose it, and I was like, wow, you're right. This is, you know, there are a lot of emotions and decisions from the heart going into this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's it. I think. I think there's a current, especially media trend and the the social media that children may have access to, and we all know that they probably shouldn't have access to it primary level, but they we all know they do. Um, and I think there's a a big current drive, especially that you know money makes us happy, and money makes our life better. And although I am a realist, I have bills to pay. I know that money makes the world go round. It's uh, it's about the fact that we don't always need it to make us happy and and as you just mentioned if if we do lose our money actually it can make us incredibly unhappy and and sad so it's i think how does money make us feel really unpicks the discussion between the choices that we make as as humans and the impact the choices can have on on others in our lives and the consequences of our money decisions which is which is so important for children and obviously all the resources of the as part of the Lifesavers program are, you know, aimed at primary age children. So it doesn't, it, you know, it's not, it's not full of guilt and, and remorse. And it's, it's a very easy, gentle, discreet way of, of discussing with children, the links between how we spend our money, knowing if we can afford the things that we want to buy. And also I, the idea of saving thing for the things that we want, but on a very much age related, um, sort of a uh, platform yeah but it, it, I mean it is important because I think as as an adult I, I will be honest you know money can sometimes you know have not very good emotional links to it as an adult you know if you if you are worrying about paying for a large car bill and it's 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 about making those those sacrifices as an adult of you know quite often as a parent what what your children's wants and needs are as well if you're financially responsible for them so I think if I'd have had access to resources like this as, as a as a child and and had this interwoven throughout my curriculum not just as you say the the, the maths the actual the I understand the maths and you know I I loved teaching key stage upper key stage two maths and I loved doing all my percentages of amounts and and as a as a as a lady who likes a sale shop, it's very it's very convenient for me to be able to take 35% off mentally in my head because I've perfected it over the years. But if I'd have had these sorts of resources in my financial 
education as a as a younger person I don't think I maybe would have had some of the emotional connections towards money that I, I see see myself and feel myself experiencing as an adult yeah you know I, I I feel very you know very similar to that and you know something you know I talk about my sons a lot I know but you know they, they are the young people in my life at the moment but you know I don't want them to have a kind of shyness from it and I do hope that their school takes on something you know like this where 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 they are that that normalizing that mm. kind of emotion and decision making around it but as you say at an appropriate age with appropriate resources i wanted to ask uh, about one of the the, the other ones because you mentioned they're saving a couple of times and one of the other big questions is is how we look after our money i know in key stage four i, I do a bit of work up that end as well and you know i'm working through with them obviously you know things like ices and and mortgages yeah. and stuff but, but I do worry that there hasn't been much preceding that so where do we start with the younger ones when we're talking about is it you know is, are we getting into bank accounts or are we just talking about piggy banks we, you know, where does that sit no so I think it I think it cr- crosses the whole the whole spectrum really so the idea of the how we can look after our money big question really gets children to start looking at keeping their money safe and some of the the moral dilemmas that we mentioned right at the start of this conversation um but you know life is full of moral dilemmas about if you you lose money you you find some money or even keeping money so i think the purpose of the question is to give children the opportunity to think about borrowing and lending so their own you can reflect on their own personal possessions really and think about the consequences and responsibilities of lending and borrowing talking about physical possessions rather than actual money because I think that can I think money at a primary age especially key stage one is so abstract that they don't you know they don't regularly handle money they don't earn money regularly so I think introducing the concept thinking about physical possessions of the child and if you lend it to somebody and then they lose it or if you lend it to somebody you know and they they don't give it back I think that's how we can introduce wise financial planning as we as we move through the key stages um and then we also within that five big question resource the how we can we look after our money we also look at how they can track the money that they had so when you when you've got money we do then look at savings and how you can make money grow so there's a resource for you know not not quite to the to the level you're doing clearly with with year 10 maths and having a look at ices and things but about how savings accounts can grow and how the children can then explore the benefits of sensible spending and saving choices that help make the most of the money that they have so saving the money for a purpose um rather than as an end in itself. So I think that becomes much more concrete for children that if they've got an end goal, you know, it, it is, it, it's there, it's it's achievable. And then by introducing the concept of saving within a, a bank or building society account and, you know, potentially having a savings book or having an online account where you can see the probably very small amounts of interest but still the children can see that interest being accrued um so that that five big question resource unpicks all the way through from making it quite um from quite an abstract concept seem much more concrete for the children using either their own personal possessions as a 
as a um, medium or then moving on to have a look at actual savings books and savings accounts and um, how they can be linked to practical experience of savings that parents might be able to organise for them with the bank or building society or credit union or the like. Fantastic. And I wanted to ask, you know, you t- we talked a little bit earlier about you know, some of the feedback from teachers and, and, and the help that they found. But I, I was wondering about the, the feedback from the young, the young people themselves, from the children. You know, this is maybe something that they've not done before. What, what sort of um, things do you hear back from the young people who, who've taken part in some of these activities? Yeah, the feedback from the children is so positive. I think they've they've appreciated the fact that the resources are engaging. I think they've appreciated the fact that the teachers, although obviously it's great as a teacher, isn't it? You know, you put that mask on, you you, you are a performer in the moment and, you know, you try and style out anything you can that happens in the classroom usually a wasp at this time of year flying in when you're doing a maths assessment but I think that is a, a teacher's natural go-to is to, is to try and do that but I think the feedback from the children and young people has definitely been that the teachers were really confident in delivering which obviously is one of our main goals it is giving the the teachers um those skills to be able to deliver financial literacy and giving them the confidence more than anything and you know reevaluating and reframing their views as we've discussed on financial literacy because we all as adults have a firm view by the time we are old enough to be educators ourselves we've got our own views we've had our own experiences with money be that positive or negative and I think the pupil feedback has definitely been that the teachers have been confident and able to deliver it and the resources were engaging. And obviously from the, the younger children, I mean, there's, there's I don't think we've heard from a single pupil who hasn't been engaged in Milo's story and having Milo in the classroom and, you know, seeing, seeing him every day around the classroom on the on the classroom shelf or on a certain student's desk, etc. So I think... I think the pupil voice is really important for a charity like ours. I think listening to teachers, obviously, is incredibly valuable and knowing what they want from resources. But I think the the feedback that you get from pupils when you have a pupil voice uh, survey that says, you know, how, how happy and with uh, the Money and Pension Service and ourselves as an organisation have uh, conducted case studies and the, the the children are you can tell they're engaged they're enlivened by the project and they and they want they want to talk about it and they talk about finances with confidence they talk about what they've been learning about in financial education with confidence and I mean that I think as a team is is our ultimate goal it's it's seeing those children who are quite clearly you know, happy with the education that they're receiving in financial literacy, but also that they have the confidence in such short spaces of time sometimes to discuss financial literacy. Um, I think for us is testament that we have managed to cascade the skills down to teachers to be able to deliver the programme in a way that they see best fits their cohorts of children, yeah. Yeah, I imagine, you know, it's fair. I imagine for those young people, it's very, you know, freeing and, and, and liberating. And, you know, I, I, I have the privilege sometimes of working with children whose who's maybe you know, path has led them a slightly different way for a short amount of time. And I see how, how shut off from the world, not, not understanding it, you can be. And something like this then 
opening up and it feels like when i see quotes such as you know zoe in year three here says i i like learning about money and what things cost i know um i need to earn money to buy things and reese in year six saying i understand you have to earn work to earn money I, I i do that now i earn my pocket money i start to think about the qualification i need for a job and it sounds very freeing and and liberating and, and opening young people up to a world that's already there rather than falsely i think i was maybe shut off from it in a, a weird protective type way when in fact this this to me seems so much more liberating and, and, uh and freeing for them Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I truly believe wholeheartedly that good financial literacy in a person is, is a key life skill. It, and I think for me, that's why it holds such an importance and value within the curriculum, because children uh, will turn into young people who will turn into adults and will choose varying different paths using very di very different curriculum subjects so some obviously will become historians and need to use all of their history research from primary school and secondary school you know some will become computer programmers and you know use all their data literacy that they've learned over the years and that's amazing but I think the overarching thing for me is the fact that every single pupil who leaves your classroom and moves on into their adult life when they leave education and continue that lifelong journey of learning, but every single one of them will need to have an understanding about money and financial literacy. And I think that's what holds it in in a little world of its own within the curriculum because I think and that's why obviously that's why we've spent a lot of time being able to interlink it with the PSHE curriculum ob objectives because PSHE obviously teaches so many valuable life skills that every pupil no matter you know what economic background they come from which um local community they they are living in I think those life skills are key. And I think for me, the financial literacy is is an overarching one because in the same way that we would like all children to be able to leave school and education, being able to read and write effectively and, you know, pass, pass their maths GCSEs, I think it is so important because every single child is going to need to know what to do with money, how to save money, how to spend money, how to earn money. And I think... I think for me, that's what's maybe a little bit soul destroying sometimes that it isn't given the importance that I think it's warranted within the curriculum because it doesn't it doesn't differentiate money. You know, it impacts every single person in our community. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned the, the money and pension service um, as earlier as well. And I think their phrase of calling it, you know, financial well-being was a turning point for me when I heard that and sort of saw, saw it. And I thought, yes. You know, it's it's that that it's part of well-being. It's part of living a healthy life. I really like that phrase, and it changed something in 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 my thinking about what you know what I wanted for for the young people I work with and, and for my own family as well. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, quickly because I want to cram this in now because I want to <laughs> ask you about um, the hashtag My Money Week in, in, in a second. But you know, you've said so many things that that are you know, really important and resonate with, with, with uh, you know, listeners who, who might want to reach out. Now, they, they, they can reach out to you at the, the Twitter account. If you're in the live space now, click on that, that big one there that has JFF. It's at Just Finance FDN. That's the Just Finance 
Foundation uh, Twitter account, or you can uh, follow them at Lifesavers underscore Edu. That, that's another place that you can uh, reach out and, and, and kind of get in contact with. There's, of course, the website, justfinancefoundation.org.uk. But if I want, as a teacher listening now, you know, I've been inspired. I, 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 I want to go in tomorrow and maybe speak to my deputy head, my head, whoever, uh, in my primary school and say, look, this is something that, you know, I, I feel really passionate that, that we need for our young people. How do I go about reaching out to you and, and, and getting my hands on some of these free editable resources, which, you know, which, yeah. which are going to help me out <laughs> and some of that training that's going to help me out do do what we're talking about for the young people I work with? Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to go is to the main Lifesavers education website and that will cover the the main page. The main Lifesavers has a has a direct link to show an expression of interest. So that would go straight into a team member's inbox by tomorrow morning. If you send it this evening, it would go straight in there. Then that that school would be allocated one of my colleagues, dependent on geographical location um, throughout the country. And they would then make contact with with you know the the sign up process itself. It's I mean it's quite simple. It usually involves a really short Teams talk to tell them more about the resources, like you've heard from me tonight. Um, and then it just discusses you know a member of senior leadership being able to sign a relationship agreement between Just Finance Foundation and um and the school themselves, and for any alternative provision or pupil referral units that are on are on the call that would like to take part in the research project. That's ex- that's almost identical to the Lifesavers programme, but it's about how I can best adapt those resources for the children in AP and Pru settings. Again, the main Lifesavers programme, but if someone was to Google Lifesavers alternative provision, there is a direct link to my um my submission form which is very easily identifiable it says that it's a new research project we will we will put a link in in the chat here for that but um yeah either either one of those you know go straight to the lifesavers lifesavers website and um get yourself signed up for some free cpd and some fantastic resources definitely yeah, you know, this should definitely be, if you are in the process now of going through your school development plan, school improvement plan, whatever, whichever acronym you call it, at, at your place of work at the moment, I think there is something here, you know, you, you drag in one of your senior leaders and say, look, this is a project that, that, that we definitely need for our young people. And, and this is going on the school improvement plan next year. And, you know, cho- choose someone dynamic and exciting who loves a, a cuddly toy like Milo, who's going <laughs> to, you know, infuse our young people to have positive relationships healthy relationships with their, their finances i think that, that that's so important now i did say i wanted to ask about this this hashtag my money week because there, there may be people listening who are are doing some wonderful things what is the, the hashtag my money week is it this week yeah so so money week is this week and it's uh, the premise around money week is for those for those settings who don't use financial education and who don't have financial education like you say interwoven in the school improvement plan it's not there it's not within the curriculum it's about establishing that early link so now getting the teachers and children excited using using a key week money week this is the week to 
think about money, to talk about money, to think more in depth about financial education and know that it's knowing more than the coin values, but it's about how we think and feel about money and thinking about like the questions that we offer, you know, how can we look after our money? You know, how does the money make us feel? Because we, we know that is uh, my money week's thing this week this for this year is about regarding money mind and money and how it makes us feel so I think for for us the hashtag money week is really promoting now towards the end of the school year think about it do you talk about money is this one money week the only week of the year that the children in your in your school are actually actively thinking about how they spend money, how they save money, how money makes them feel or not. So I think it's giving people that that initial push into thinking, do we need to do some more of this? Does this engage the children? And I mean, the Lifesavers team, we've created some fantastic free resources that even for those schools who aren't currently signed up to the programme, they are available on the Lifesavers website. So if there are any educators out there listening who do want something for Money Week and just think, oh, yeah, I've not done anything for Money Week. Where can I find something? I do know that there are digital resources available to to download from from the main Lifesavers page. Fantastic, you know, and uh, you know, follow that hashtag. Share some of the things because I think the sad thing—is it a sad thing? The wonderful thing about primary schools, but also the sad thing in a way, is that you know, as we talk about these things in a uh, mishmash kind of ad ad hoc is the word I'm looking for in an ad hoc way. There's so much of the the sense that you've spoken about, um, you know, quality financial education that I think. Do you know what? I did a little bit of this but I only did it for a year and stopped doing it. And or I did a little bit of that, or I remember doing this, or I, I talked to someone who did that. And, and, and it kind of existed and we knew these little pockets of good things, but to have it all together in a kind of cohesive place seems like it's something really powerful to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that's it. And I think that's why, I think that's why the program really works. And I think that's why the teacher feedback is so positive is the fact that the resources are there it's not prescriptive. Nobody wants to withdraw anyone's teacher autonomy and give them a prescriptive script. However, there are certain elements that can be picked up off the shelf when there is something that is needed with with immediate effect. However, it's about giving the pupils and the children and young people that, that time to, to talk, to talk and discuss um finances and money and be able to to really think about it and i think that's what lifesavers team have done done so well and i think that's what my my next my next job is is to try and adapt the resources further to make them more inclusive to anyone in an ap setting so i think if we can achieve that for those children in the most vulnerable areas of of our education system then I think we'll be, we'll be doing great things, you know, to support the future generations. Yeah, definitely. You know, this is something that I, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I've been clearly persuaded that this is, this is something that everyone needs. And, you know, in a, in a primary school, I, I, I would be thinking this, but certainly you're right. You know, there, there are some vulnerable people who maybe need just that little bit of extra care and support to make sure that they 
they have these healthy opportunities or, or healthy relationship with finance and their money. I wanted to, you know, towards the end here, just come back to that that quote from the all-party parliamentary group in 2021 from the chair, Julian Knight, that said, the evidence submitted for this inquiry from experts across the sector makes it clear there's an urgent need for widespread and effective primary financial education to combat the challenges the younger generation are facing. And I think, you know, that that is strongly worded, that this is something really important that we, you know, we need to get a grip on. Absolutely. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And and I think, I think for, for us as a team, that's, that's why we, pu- we put things like the Money Week, the hashtag Money Week. And that's why we provide free resources to those schools who don't already have Lifesavers champions with them. That's why we're running the AP research project for the alternative provisions because the money and pension service team have funded that project due to knowing that, you know, they are some of the most vulnerable children in education. And I think for us, it's about giving the giving educators and the professional people like the settings and the schools, the platform and the tools to be able to also realise the importance of it. So as well as individuals understanding that it's important, like you say, weaving it into school improvement plans and actually saying, no, this this holds such an importance for the children and young people of today to make them the best, best citizens they can be for the people of tomorrow, really you know fantastic and you know I, I can't but say that like I, I'm you know been very impressed and particularly with this it's a unique take it's, it's not something that I would have thought about you know Milo I, I am at heart a primary school teacher and okay. even still and you know that that idea of a, a character you know if you are a secondary colleague listening in you you are, you have not seen quality teaching <laughs> until you have seen a puppet make a mistake or a cuddly toy make a mistake in front of a bunch of uh, early years children that that is that is you know one of the most engaging and learning experiences they will soon tell that cuddly toy what they are doing right and wrong and that re-embodiment so you know I love that approach you know you you've spoken about the drama elements which i think again is uh, you know a, a really unique take i, I you know personally the, the the money world of coins and thinking that you know just totaling up some coins is enough of a financial education has always frustrated me yeah. so you've you, you've certainly won me there but the thing for me again and i come back to it is this how money makes me feel you know i find that such a powerful take and and some of those key questions from the Lifesavers scheme, you know, have really got me thinking about how, you know, how I was approaching it before and, and, and what I was missing from, from when I was just doing it myself without a bit of training and support. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I think that's it. I think it's, that's what we've done as a, as a charity, as an organisation. It's listened to the individual teachers who we've spoken to. It's, it's listening to the children and young people. It's, um, you know, understanding consultations such as the responses to send review that was released in 2023, where children and young people most frequently record, reported wanting to learn more about financial life skills and budgeting and money management. And I think it's it's like a jigsaw puzzle. I think when you put all the smaller pieces together, you do end up, well, <laughs> 
it turns out you end up with a team like the one that I'm currently working for that then says, okay, we will apply for some funding and a grant to in order to be able to deliver this to the educators so that they can cascade it to the children. And I think I think that's I think that's what's so great. I think it is listening to all the voices that are out there who need who need the resources and accommodating them, really. You know, yeah, as I say, you know, I, th- I think, you know, a massive credit because, I've, you know, it, 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 it's changed the way that I think and in future will approach finan- financial literacy and education for young people um, already. And, I, you know, and I'm still just very early on in this journey. Now, it's, it's been wonderful to have you on, Sarah. Um, and thank you for joining us tonight. We, we, are, we are coming right up to the end. Is it Thundering and Lightning Day yet? It's not. I think it's passed over us. So now all I need now to brighten up my evening is lots of people subscribing to the main Lifesavers programme or to the um, Alternative Provision Project. I think that's only going to be the only excitement I'm going to get now this evening, unfortunately. It's passed right overhead and we've got a little bit of sunshine again now. (laughs) Well, well, that's it. Maybe the sunshine is coming now, bringing, as I say, definitely, if you're listening, you should should definitely sign up for this. Um, Give them a, a look, check them out their website justfinancefoundation.org.uk and particularly if you're in an alternative provision or a pupil referral unit you know this is something you know for for the the children slightly younger than i'm currently with um i i I would be crying out for 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 support like this so definitely um find them and and uh give it give it a follow give it a click give it a link and an explore because there is a wealth of information on there Oh, well, thanks for your time tonight, Nathan. No, anyway, thank you very much. Um, and yeah, I, I nearly said there. I, I am in uh, South Wales, so we say Nostar, which is good night. I nearly dropped into Welsh accents. <laughs> Nostar, um, good. So uh, good night. Thank you, everyone, for for tuning in. Um, this will be available to listen back to, of course, um, here on Twitter Spaces and later then on iTunes on the podcast platforms, wherever you get it, your Alexa speaker, wherever it is, you'll be able to listen to it back. Uh, This is uh, Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in, talk it out, and uh, good night. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.